You know, guys, when you get to be our age, finding the motivation to get back in shape can be hard. It's just plain tough to find a routine and to stick with it. Good news. FitBod is a fitness app that is anything but routine. It tailors your workouts to fit your life, your goals, your gear, and even your schedule, so you can avoid burnout. And FitBod helps keep up your momentum by mixing in different exercises, reps, supersets, and circuits. Best yet, FitBod has over 1,000 demonstration videos, so you can learn the right way to do each exercise. It's time to ditch the boring routines and kickstart your fitness journey. Add FitBod to your workout essentials. Join today to get your personalized workout plan. Get 25% off your subscription or try the app for free at fitbod.me slash Zabe. That's F-I-T-B-O-D dot M-E slash Zabe. Today on the ZabeCast, before we go making a federal case out of splashing a beer on an NFL player... Let's try to keep some perspective. Drew Olson swings in. He gives us his take on the Brewers' white-knuckle ninth in Game 3, plus a rousing rendition of FTG with me as the target. All that, plus Amazon is dreaming of an entirely new concept of cloud storage. Your essential Sports Talk Day starter is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! Wednesday, October 17, 2018. Thank you for downloading. Quick update. The ale coins are going out in the mail as we speak. In fact, I sent the first batch out over the weekend. I think I told you guys this. I don't know if I did or not, but I'll say it again here. There was a bit of a hiccup because my guy, Chris Broussard, who runs the podcast and the website, went to the post office with an envelope that would fit the coin, with the weight of the coin inside of it, like a silver dollar or two, and said, how much would this be? Actually, didn't go to the post office, went to, uh, he went to a UPS store. And they're like, uh, 88 cents. He's like, okay, good. So he ordered a bunch of envelopes. He labeled them. I got all the coins, got all the envelopes. I go to take the first couple to the post office, and the guy there says, what's in there? And I go, just a souvenir coin. And he goes, yeah. And he kind of feels the padded envelope and says, no, you're going to have to send that as a, as a parcel. And I'm like, why? I go, how much is that? He goes, mm, cheapest is $3 and 50 cents. I'm like, oh no, 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 no. I said, okay, let me get back to you on this. And so I went, I went home because their excuse is all oh, the coins could get stuck in the sorter, you know? And I'm thinking to myself, well, but this is a small padded envelope. If you've gotten your coin already, then you uh, know what I'm talking about. Like, why would they even make a tiny little envelope that's padded like this if people knew the cheapest you could mail it anywhere was $3.50? So I said, oh, hell no on that. So I went and I bought a bunch of stamps that uh, the ever the the universal stamp or the Everfree stamp? What do they call it? The uh, forever stamp. The forever stamp, I guess, costs 50 cents now. Who knew? Man, rent's too damn high. Postage rates are going way up. Anyway, I bought a bunch of stamps, and I put two stamps on it, a dollar's worth of postage, well over the 88 cents 
that was uh, quoted to us at the UPS store, which is not the United States Postal Service, I grant you that. And I said, okay, let's go ahead and send them out. Now, I sent them out dribs and drabs because I wanted to see if they were going to get rejected. I mean, maybe I would gum up the sophisticated sorting mechanism in the United States Postal Service back corridors. And so far, none have bounced back. Now, maybe they're all getting quarantined somewhere in like mail violation jail. But if you get your coin, please let me know. Quick email, just a tweet or whatever. And better yet, once you guys do have these ale coins in hand, I would love it. Nothing would make me happier than to see the ale coins making their way out into the sports world, to ball games, to picnics, to weddings. I would love to see if you take a picture and tweet it to me of you holding up the ale coin at a wedding. That would be hilarious. Or any other function. Should you leave early, flip the coin, see what the coin says, trust in the coin, believe in the coin. It's 50-50, stay, go, ah, ale coin. There you go. So thank you for all who jumped in as the first run of coins was printed. All right, before we get into the show today and all the stuff I've got, Drew Olson's going to swing on by. I want to talk about the Tyreek Hill beer to the face thing. But before that, it, it, the NBA season began last night. And you know what? That's great. I love it when we have all four sports burners lighted and going at once. Love it. Football, hockey, baseball, and now basketball. I love the four burner sports. It delights me to no end. That said, as much as I like the NBA, and I, I really don't mind it at all, Colorful, fun, flamboyant, full of characters, full of feuds, very photogenic, very social media-genic, big personalities, great nicknames, easy-to-follow league. Much as I like the league, and I, I don't really pay too much attention now until, say, at least April or May, I can't... The, the 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 Twitter fanatics for the NBA, NBA Twitter, those fanatic Twitter people, and also the talking head shows, which you now are going to now dig into this tooth and nail. They wear me out. They just do. It's too much. And by the way, the NBA has become a three-point shooting league like you can't even imagine. I mean, you already know this. I'm not breaking any news to you, but the numbers are staggering. In fact, last year, three-point shooting was up again league-wide by something like 10 to 12%. And this year, Wizards coach Scott Brooks, who sat down with me on the Team 980, and by sat down, I mean he picked up his cell phone, he said to me he thinks that, that three-point shooting league-wide in terms of attempts could be up another 15%. I had to stop right there. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Really, coach? And he goes, oh, yeah. Absolutely. I said, that would be incredible. I mean, at some point, you can't take any more threes than you're already taking. It really becomes the comical quote that um, uh, Walker for the Boston Celtics, former Antoine Walker, former Kentucky Wildcat, purportedly said to a Japanese reporter at the All-Star Game, I can't find this quote. If anyone out there wants to Noodle around and find it for me. Google it. If you if you can remember this particular anecdote, 
I'd love to get a hard piece of evidence showing it. The rumor was that a Japanese reporter asked Antoine Walker at the time, why do you shoot so many threes? Now, this was 15 years ago, probably, 10 at least. He didn't shoot a lot of threes compared to today's NBA. But when the Japanese reporter asked him, why do you shoot so many threes? Antoine Walker reportedly said, allegedly said, anecdotally said, according to lore and legend, quote, because there are no fours. (laughs) Great answer. Great answer. Survey says, ding, number one answer on the board. How more perfect can you get than that answer? The league has become rotten with three-point shooting. It is a run it up, jack it up, get the rebound, shoot another three-point league. In fact, I looked at the uh, field go- three-point percentage, excuse me, three-point attempt percentage. Does that make sense? Three-point, whatever they called it on the website. Basically, what percentage of shots total for the top team is a three-pointer, are, are three-pointers. And four years ago, the top team in the league that shot threes, the highest percentage was 35% of their entire shots were threes. Last year, four years later, the Houston Rockets shot 56% of all their shots from beyond the arc. And Scott, you know, Scott Brooks thinks that's going up. <laughs> okay. Some would say basketball is being ruined by this. They have a point to an extent. Basketball is being ruined by the three-pointer, overuse of it, and super teams like Durant and the Warriors, fair points. Football has been ruined by the roughing the passer rule and by replay, says me at least, and Goodell. Baseball has been ruined by the shift and bullpenning now, some say. Golf is being ruined by everyone being able to hit the ball 330 yards some would say. Is there any sport of ours that is not getting ruined? Let me know. Is there any sport better now than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago? I'd love to know. All right, let me talk about this uh, Tyreek Hill beer to the face on Sunday night. Out of bounds, inappropriate. I'm glad the fan has now been banned from future games at uh, Gillette. He may even be prosecuted. I heard that there was some initial charges of disorderly conduct as well as throwing an object at a sporting event. These are misdemeanors. He's going to get off with a parking ticket-like fine. I'm pretty sure. In fact, I don't think there's very much deep case law about pouring a beverage over somebody's head or in somebody's face. It is impolite. It's not the way we want fan-player interactions to go. But let me just remind everyone about Tyreek Hill. Okay, because we're not good at remembering things and we're not good at saying, hey, don't ever forget about this guy. We, we just brush things under the rug. And I'm not saying that Tyreek Hill hasn't made great strides in his personal life. He apparently has. He's stayed clean and out of trouble once he's turned pro. That's to be admired, I guess, and, and, and respected. But let's not forget who he is. The fact that Tyreek Hill got his panties in a bunch and said, I want this guy prosecuted is a little bit rich given the fact that Tyreek Hill got kicked off the school team, uh, kicked off his college team at Oklahoma State because when he was 20 years old, he choked his girlfriend and punched her in the stomach while she was pregnant. According to the story, Hill was in his apartment, who was eight eight weeks pregnant, 
She got a text message from someone saying Hill had been hitting on high schoolers. According to the police report and court testimony, Hill then threw her phone and laptop into the hallway and shut her out of his room. When she re-entered, Hill hit her in the face, choked her, and punched her in the stomach. He put her in a headlock and that put external pressure on her neck that compressed her airway, according to the statement in his guilty plea. But wait, it gets better. The officer that arrested him for the Stillwater Police Department noted her injuries and then went to Hill's apartment to arrest him. When there, Hill said he's only being arrested, quote, because I'm black and she's white. The officer said Hill told him that as he was being placed in custody. Custody. So that's who Tyreek Hill was as a 20-year-old. Again, okay, he's he's come a long way, but the fact that he's getting all, you know, ah, someone threw a beer in my face. Okay, you of all people should just maybe roll with it. And it should be pointed out, he ran right up to the fans as if, as if to say, ha-ha, how about that? I scored a touchdown. Now did he point at him? Did he taunt him? Did he do anything? No, but he just, he, he made it look like, oh my God, I'm running so fast, I can't slow down. Bullshit. He can slow down. He can cut on a dime. He can accelerate on a dime. It's not hard. He could have crossed the goal line and then just peeled to the right and, you know, like a skier coming to the end of a, of a ski jump, just peeled it and stayed clearly in the end zone away from the fans. He didn't because it's a subtle form of trash talking. I just scored on you again, third time tonight, and I'm faster than everybody on your team. Ha ha, suck on that. And then someone, you know, throws a beer on him. And now it's a federal case? Okay, let's all just keep a little bit of perspective. All right, time for Drew Olson, who had a particularly double, a particular double dilemma on Monday night in the heart of cheese country. So, Drew, you were at the Packer game last night. Is that oh, correct? Oh, this is the the duality of Drew. This is this was decision time, and I want to ask what you would have done. I went to Green Bay yesterday to do my show, uh, which from noon to three. This last hour of which was the end zone with Antonio Freeman. He was in Green Bay. I was at a bar in Green Bay um, from noon to three. Free was going to join me, but he didn't, so I was solo at a very crowded bar. By the way, it was packed. At noon. Oh, those are for a seven thirty game. Am I supposed to be surprised at that? Given no, the state of, course of Wisconsin, not. of course not. It was packed, and it wasn't just. I'm sure this place does well. It's Anduzzi's Sports Club. I give them a little pop, but I'm sure they do well for lunch. But on a game day, like people were jerseyed up. These weren't people grabbing a, a chicken salad and then going back to work. <laughs> no, there was a Jersey bar, geared up, geared and up, tuned up for the game. Fa- fair amount of uh, of 49ers fans and everything, right? So then. I headed over to Lambeau Field after the show, about 3.15, and my duties were to do a pregame show on the ABC affiliate that I do work with occasionally here um, because the game was on ESPN, but it has to be on the mark in, in this mar- in Milwaukee. It has, has to, to be, be over the, the air, air, which would be ABC. So that would be ABC, and that's okay. where I work. So I did an hour pregame show from 6.15 to 7.15. So All right, good, my good, options good, good. were... Go upstairs to the press box and try to half-assedly watch the Packer game and then run back to the TVs and watch the Brewer game or do both. Uh, or or sit at a table and watch both games on TV while, you know, in Lambeau Field and ignoring oh. the, the, the huge windows of the press box. Or get my ass in the car, drive home, and try to be home in two hours to watch the end of both games. What would you have done? Uh, well, that's a tough and loaded question because I'm not from there 
and this would be a special event for me. Yes. So I think I would have st- I would have gone to Lambeau and watched the Packers in person while keeping an eye on the baseball game. Okay. Best I could. I'm going to bet that you drove home to see the end. That's exactly what I mean. So I experienced <laughs> much you, of the night did like you it was make the 1930s. It? I was on the radio. Oh, I made it absolutely because there is nothing better than driving through Green Bay or on the highways and byways around Green Bay when the Packers are playing. Oh, it's delightful. It's, it's exhilarating. A, it's your own express lane. That's exactly. <laughs> I hardly had to take the cruise off, Zane. <laughs> I know. That's, set the cruise at 82 and I'm going. That's why I invented the ale theory. Always leave early. And then when you leave early, you're just blowing out of a stadium or out of parking lots. You're like, this is better than winning the damn game. Now, you were listening to one of the two games on the radio. Did you have your phone set up to stream video of one of the two games? I did not know. Um, why? Because you're a good driver and you don't want to drive recklessly? Yeah. Or you don't have the, the, the data plan to do so? A little of both. I have the data plan, but I just didn't want to. I didn't feel like chewing it up and firing it up. And what I did was, and I don't, I'm not, I go up there enough, but I'm still not fluent in, all right, who broadcasts the Packers up here? I know it's on FM and AM, and I'm looking for the Brewers game. And then finally, I'm like, okay, screw it. I got satellite radio, right? So I fire up, and it turned out the NFL channel, NFL network, and MLB channel right next to each other. I had to hit one button to go back and forth and toggle between the broadcast, which was easy. I had Kevin Harlan and I think Dan Schulman. So you were um, flipping back and forth. So I flipped, yeah. And why didn't you, why didn't you, you do that? Why didn't you try to stream the game on your phone radio-wise, like the baseball game? Because ESPN, on the ESPN app, will will give you uh, an easy listen to the games. I, I listened to Dan Shulman call the game while I was mowing the lawn on Saturday. Yeah. I um, and enjoyed it immensely. I think Dan Shulman well, is a really good broadcaster. I was um, splitting my attention, and then when I got closer to Milwaukee, I switched to the local so that I could hear Wayne Larravee and, and Bob Euchre. But that, okay. that, that was that got me the first hour, and I was home in plenty of time okay. to see the exciting finishes <laughs> of both games. Well, I know it's hard to beat the home experience. And now at home, you still don't have more than one TV. I do not know yeah. in my setup. When's that? Well, when's that going to change? That well. It, it, Actually, there is a room where I can sit. I could stand between two or sit between two and see two. So yes, crane I, your I, head like oh, I, oh, I, I have here. to turn like I'm watching a, a tennis match or something. But so I, did I you? Can did do you it, dial up no. one of the games on your I, phone or iPad? I did not. No, oh, I you, watch. I, I once so the you, Brewers. So you dude, truly, when the Brewers got to the ninth flipped. inning, I was hard down on the Brewers. Okay, and then I said, oh, what's going on in the Packer game? And DVR both obviously, but I was like. When the Brewers were in that ninth inning, there was no way I was watching the Packer game. Even though I knew that it was getting good, yeah. then I flipped over and it was getting real good. What a night, though. Let's start Let's start with the Brewers, and let's start with the Craig Council logic on Hayter. Like, how do you sort of reconcile you know, him throwing Hayter for just eight pitches and then shutting him down and going to Jeffress, who has struggled this postseason, when he could have easily used Hayter for an extended period, or at least two innings, let him sit for game five and then have him available, or excuse me, sit for game four and have him available for game five. If you'd have asked me to bet going into game three, I would have said he's using Jeffress at some point. Maybe even if it's eight to nothing, he'd have used Jeffress for an inning to get him back out there, get him back on the horse. That's to what, try to get him right. That's what he likes to do. When a guy spits the bit, like Corey Knable spit the bit a few times this year as the closer, he's out there the next night. Like They right. want to get him in as soon as possible. That's kind of a... 
Craig Council philosophy. And and up four nothing in the ninth was a perfect get right spot for Jeffress. That was a soft landing spot. It should have yeah. been low leverage, but he turned it into a high wire act. But it worked. <laughs> And now he looks like a genius. Josh Hader is the key to the whole thing because he is like when you watch movies, uh, Braveheart eras or, or you know, uh, Game of Thrones stuff. When when somebody first rolls out that catapult or the or the thing that fires like a hundred arrows at a time. Right. That's the weapon. The weapon. Right. The like, crazy the weapon. weapon. You're like, oh, shit, they got one of those. <laughs> that is he is so devastating. And the fact that basically what was what happened to him last night was. Well, he got up in the pen. He threw nine pitches to get two strikeouts, and now he's going to be daisy fresh. Now we're to the point where the Brewers can deploy him tonight, and depending on circumstances, do the unprecedented. And if it if the if the planets align, pitch him three days in a row, which they've never do. I was going to say they don't even pitch him two days in a row now. For the most Very part, rarely. it happened six times. I think I heard during the season, and they haven't done it in a while because he's just not as good. Give me the backstory on Hater. Where'd he come from? What's his deal? Why is his stuff so filthy? The whole um, schmear. There isn't much to say about like why it's filthy. I mean, just look at it. His throws 97 from the left side, and you look at his delivery and the arm angle. Well, that's what I'm saying. Ball. It's well, he more hides than, the ball really well. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's more than just 97 from the left side. Yeah. Who else in the game right now throws 97 from the left side? Um, everybody who's left-handed, basically. Basically, okay. Everybody's throwing that hard, yeah. All right, but he hides the ball. Yeah, it, it's a delivery thing. When you, He's got some funk to him, and he hides the ball for a long time, and it's just absolutely devastating on left-handed pitchers. And his, arm, mean, left-handed his, hitters, yeah. arm, his arm angle seems a bit unique. Um, yeah, or am uh, I just imagining that? No, a- absolutely it okay. is, and that's what, you know – Hell, I remember, you know, go back to your Little League days, Zabe. They always say right-handed batters can hit, you know, lefties, and that's the platoon advantage that exists. Right. When we were growing up, well, nobody was left-handed when we played wall ball, when we played strikeout against the wall. Everybody was right-handed. Right. Right. And then I got to high school, and the first time you face a lefty, it's like they're from another planet. It really is. We're supposed to hit these guys like, what the hell? And a lefty that drops to three quarters or something that looks sure. like it's coming from the first base dugout, you got no shot. Anyway, um, Hater, you know he's from your neck of the woods there, the mid-Atlantic region. I did, I did not know him. Millersville, Maryland. Okay, and what what's his story in well, terms then, of a, as, a, as a prospect? How far down the road did they see him coming, well, or is he a late bloomer? What's he his was, story? Well, here's the thing. He was drafted by the Orioles, so he's a hometown kid with the Orioles in 2012, right? Okay. And then he played for, you know, he's obviously good enough to play in the Pan American games as a kid and uh, was in the Futures game. He was in the Orioles organization, then they traded him to Houston, and then the Brewers got him from Houston. Yeah. So uh, he was... Six foot three, 185, a beanpole. A beanpole, absolutely. an insane electric arm. Other than the 97-mile-an-hour stuff and the funky delivery and the arm angle and all that, what else does he have? What what other pitches? Uh, well, that's just it. I mean, basically, fastball, slider kind of thing. So fastball, not, slider, that's and it. And that's, and, uh, okay, no real curveball to speak of. All the of. time people say, well, why, doesn't he, why isn't he a starter? He's a great pitcher. Why don't you make him a starter? And they thought, well, he doesn't have that third pitch to help him through. Right, kinda. right. Why can't he go every day for one inning? Well, they... They don't want to do that because he's, first of all, he's the Andrew Miller. That's the model that they had. The, the, right. the, the beautiful thing is that he was stretched out enough to go to, and he's so devastating in that stint that they just, you know, 
why would you want him to be? Like he's so effective, and why wouldn't you? The Brewers are changing it, man. Like, why do you need a starter that can go five innings every thirty-five game or every fifth game in thirty-five games a year? You got him for eighty games a year, and yeah. you're going to use that weapon whenever you can roll it out. Yeah, sort of like the big arrow shooting gun in Game of Thrones when they thought, "Oh, we're going to shoot these dragons out of the sky." No, you're not going to shoot the dragons out of the sky. You're going to get those that giant arrow shooter lit up, <laughs> lit up by the dragons. Remember that scene? No. Yes. Yes. <laughs> what do they call that? They're like, "Eh, hey, don't worry, don't worry. We got a big old uh, arrow shooter." Yeah. Well, we'll see how that does against the dragons. So here the Brewers are at six wins en route to 12 for a magical parade. What are you feeling in terms of your gut? Well, long way home still. Still even, a long way home. Yeah. Even just to win the series, you're a long way home. It's only 2-1. Yeah. When Justin Turner hit the home run, well, when Justin Turner came to the plate against Jeffress on Saturday, I turned to a colleague of mine and I said, this is the defining at bat of the series. And he hit a home run. And I'm like, well, the well, Dodgers are going to win this series. <laughs> Do you still believe that, though? It's The winds have shifted. The Brewers are far from home, as you said, but now I would say the Brewers have a slight upper hand. They've regained the hand. They have hand. They have hand. They've, they've got they've pimp hand They've neutralized the, the momentum of the Dodgers. I mean, another shutout by the Brewers? 14 punch-outs last night? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Meanwhile, how did you feel about the fans at Chavez Ravine booing the living shit out of Yasmani Grandal for another subpar game? Well, I mean... Now the drama in this series, in addition to will Craig Council continue to use his pitching staff in ways that freak out the conventional guys and the John Smoltzes of the world, the drama is who's the MVP of the series? Will it be Hader, Orlando Arcia, or Yasmani Grandal, who's helped the Brewers win <laughs> right. in all their victories? He has sucked like an industrial shop vac. And so, yeah, I mean, I, what do I think of the Dodgers fans booing him? Like, why wouldn't they? What are they, you know? I mean, I know it's the postseason. You're supposed to root, root, root for the home team, but he's been awful. Afterwards, Grandall said, I think it's driving you guys nuts, meaning the press, more than it's driving me nuts. When asked about a wild pitch that led to a run in game three, the, the calls for Austin Barnes came after Grandall's pass ball, which allowed Braun to advance to scoring position in the eighth. It was his 28th pass ball since the start of last season, which trails only the Yankees' Gary Sanchez for the Major League lead. Sanchez is also flat terrible behind the plate. Both of those guys get to know the, the, the they get to know Marlins man on a regular basis. They exchange cards with him. Exactly. They, they go back and see him at the screen several times a day. Hey, speaking of Marlins man, have you ever met him or talked to him? I have never met him. Never met Lawrence. Is Levy. your is your opinion of what do you have? Do you have a strong opinion one way or the other? I mean. Okay, is he a nozzle? Is he a rich guy who likes to be on TV and gets great seats? I mean, who wouldn't do that if they could? And he can, and he does. If you can, do it. I remember, I go back, and you go back, too, to that guy rock and rolling, the guy with the rainbow afro, yes. rainbow man, who was at every sports event holding that John 316 t-shirt or holding a sign. Who later went to jail for, like, trying to kill a dude. That's him. Yeah, yeah that's rock and rolling, but not rock and Lawrence rolling. Levy, the, no, the no, South Beach Marlins attorney man. with too much money and too much time on his hands no, and loves to be Marlon Man. How douchey is it, though, that he's got to wear the bright orange so that everyone sees him as, oh, there's Marlon's Man again right behind the plate? It's a little douchey, but... That's know, a hey, shtick, though. Plant your flag. Plant okay. your freak flag. But, I mean, who wouldn't do that if you could? I'd go to everything. Speaking of, of backstop mascots... Uh, I saw you talk to a gal on your show uh, who goes by a different nickname. Not, she's not Front Row Amy. No, Front Row Amy is a Milwaukee fixture. This is a New York-based fan, Megan Brown, who goes by that girl on deck. 
Okay. On Twitter. All right. And what's that girl on deck's deal? She's just a huge Brewers fan with a big Twitter following. She's worked in the sports industry in kind of the PR side of things. And uh, she tweets stuff about the Brewers and goes at it. And she be, she went viral a couple years ago because some of this, uh, I got to find it, but the smackdown of a dude. She gets a lot of dudes on Tinder and Twitter and just guys DMing her and trying to, trying she, to meet her. Is she single, by the way? Yes. Okay. Single, lives how, in New York. How old is she? Uh, I'm gonna roughly say speaking, 30s, roughly 40s, 30, just 30. Okay, yeah, just 30. And she and she, how many Twitter followers does she have? Uh, I will look that up for you. Okay, more than me though. That <laughs> I mean, that girl on deck. I, I don't have uh, you know her assets. Shall she say she she posts a lot of selfies, many of her in Brewers gear and some cleavage shots and stuff. She's a nice girl. Okay, um, here it is. She's got uh, 27,000 followers on Twitter. Yes. Yes. And what's her name again? Uh, well, it's that girl on deck on Twitter, but uh, Megan. Megan, Megan, yeah. Megan, last name Megan, or does she keep that private? Oh no, she's she has it out there. It's Brown. Oh, Megan, Megan Brown. Brown? Yeah, yeah. Okay, but that right. girl on deck. All right, so tell there, me about a, there tell was me about... a legendary thing where she smacked this guy down. He was the guy's condescend to her because she knows about sports, and she's become she she like well, carries the the torch for female sports fans who hate it when guys condescend to her. She knows about sports. She's attractive. She's young. And she's out there. So it's going to attract the usual miscreants, trolls, and scum of the earth yeah. on the internet. In fact, yeah, she got into it with a guy over the weekend. She came, so she lives in New York and she's from the Midwest. I think she grew up in Indianapolis. Okay. She, and they were the Brewers AAA affiliate. So she bonded with that team and became a Brewers fan as a child. Oh, cool. And she stayed with it and plants the flag. And then, so she's kind of like, you know, Twitter famous locally. Yeah. How do you feel about she works front in digital row, media? How do you f- feel about front row Amy? Well, she's an interesting case too. She became a thing a couple of years ago because she buys that seat right, you know, next to Marlins man, and she keeps score of the games, and she sits there again with her cleavage displayed. Oh yeah, with the girls out on display. Yeah, and she's um, she is uh, knocking over fifty, I think. <laughs> she's uh, she is. she's a veteran. She's- Let's put it that well, yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, and she um, she's been in the bigs a, a long time. Freak. She's married. She lives like an hour and a half north of the ballpark, and drives in, and she buys a partial season ticket package for that package, one seat, uh, because you know family finances or whatever, and she buys that one seat and goes by herself. And her, so her husband, she's so she's she, married, and her husband doesn't like baseball that much, so she does it. It's her passion. Okay, and cool. She goes and sits and keeps score. And she's also a really nice lady, and she fans take selfies with her and stuff. And like, but you don't bother her during the game because she's hard down scoring every pitch. She is dialed into every wow. pitch. Cool. Well, that's good then. I'm, but yeah, so I'm Megan, glad that she but, is. I'm glad that she is not like people don't roll her eyes like, oh god, that 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 attention seeker. Yeah. So what happened with Megan was she she had somehow I don't I didn't even ask her like where she was sitting when she was on my show Friday on her way to the game, but she sat next to Marlins man. I know she had that seat. Right. I don't know how, but she swung it. So yeah, I, I I would love to know if a team has ever prevented Marlins man from getting one of those seats. One would think, right? I mean, <laughs> like, how do we block Marlins man from view of the front row or somewhere? He's not always front row. Sometimes he's like second or third. Yeah, he's row. a little bit cocked off to the side sometimes. Right, yeah. but he's right there in in the picture. There used to be speaking of guys you always see behind the backstop in L.A. There used to be a radar gun guy. For the Dodgers, I believe, that had this Panama hat or like this stylish fedora and a mustache, and he was the radar gun guy in L.A. Do you remember that guy? I don't. Okay, I used to see you see him all the time. You couldn't 
help but notice him. Like, look at that stylish guy. He looked like he was from some coffee ad. You know, this uh, rich Colombian mustache and a and a and a tan Panama hat, and he's working the radar gun. Of course, nobody manually works the radar gun now anymore, do they? It's all mm. built in, isn't it? In the hardwire. Yeah, you don't really see that anymore. The, the, with the pitch FX and the pitch tracks and the stat cast, they don't really. They, those guys used to haul their radar guns around, but they really don't anymore. All right. So anything else to put to bed uh, on the Brewers? Bring training stuff. Oh, I found Megan Brown's Twitter exchange that she went viral. She met a guy and he texted her and she, and she captured this and put it on Twitter. And the world saw it and it went viral. She, this guy said oh, to her, you say boy. you like baseball. I've never, never met a girl who likes baseball. She corrected him and said, love baseball. He said, okay, then name the NL East teams in the next 10 seconds. No Googling. Ready, go. And she fired back at him and said, it was nice to have met you, with the S in parentheses. Ah. And maybe it was brave of you to ask this question, but it's somewhat insulting. I could fill these you in on the answer, but I'll have to pass. It seems to be a Nationals problem with men trying to expose a uh, bonus girls for not being real sports fans instead of taking our word for it but don't worry you know what they say there's other marlins in the sea so very, she shut this bastard down <laughs> very well done and that went viral and buzzfeed picked it up and stuff so that that got her a lot of notoriety all right very good let's pivot to the uh, packers what another miracle escape by aaron Rodgers. Uh, and Aaron Rodgers. Let's just leave it at that. I didn't want to. I didn't want to give anyone credit. Rogers. Yeah, just Aaron Rodgers, ninja at work, stand down. How do you feel about this? Because had they lost the game, the season is in freefall. Oh man, yeah. You you lose that game and you wonder. I know you've been calling him Coach Doughboy. <laughs> I I've been backing you off. Your circle. I'm backing been. off. I'm backing off the personal attacks on McCarthy. Yeah. And really, I've I've turned the engines off on it because I feel like the cake has been baked. I think he is going to get fired at the end of the season, and I think that I will have been vindicated for saying several years ago. That he should have gone. I first said he had to go after the Seattle debacle. That was when I yeah, said that's when you, you said gotta, it, yeah. you got to cash him out. And there were still a number of fans that said, "Well, who are we going to get that's better?" You know, and I'm like, "Don't look at it that way." There's a lot of better out there. You don't know. I don't know because I don't interview coaches. I don't talk around league circles about who's a hot young assistant. But this is where the I, Sean McVeighs come from. Okay, I, I tell you what, I, I don't want to rub any salt in your, um, you know. Your, wound. Your, your maggot-infested Redskins wound. <laughs> but, but that guy across the sideline last night's a pretty good coach. Uh, who? The, the guy, the coach of the 49ers. Oh, Kyle? Yeah. He's all right. He's Well, let's put it this way. He's faced the Packers, I think. Going into last night, he was 4-1 against them at Houston at three different stops. He's pretty good. He's had he's had pretty good success against the Packers for whatever reason. He's he's always looked really good when he's designing plays against Green Bay. He, here's what drove me crazy is that when soon as old man Shanahan arrived and then hired his kid from the Texans, mm-hmm. there was already talk of Shanahan after five years may step aside and let the kid take over. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. The old a- man hasn't won jack shit here. Why are we talking about turning the hardware store over to Junior? But he's he's a he's a he's a sharp young mind, and it is seems he going to be, be like he is I mean, right? But is he that, any that, better than Josh McDaniels? Um, and without remains, a quarterback, remains to be seen. But he, I mean, without a quarterback, night, without a quarterback or their running back, he's 
I know, hear you. I don't think their receiver is that great, but they looked good last night. Well, and more importantly, how bad did the Packers look? Well, how, and that's how the un, thing. How unprepared that's... did they look to say, okay, here's a team we should beat and we should humiliate, and they got run on and they got yeah, thrown on and they sacked the shit out of Rodgers time after time. Like, the NFL is funny because the winners write the history books. If you win, it's all roses and smiles on Monday. And if you lose, it's the opposite. But think about it. If they don't win that game, the entire world is different in Packerland right now. You have a bye, and then you've got the Rams and the Patriots coming up. Yeah, and then the Seahawks, uh, Dolphins, and Vikings. Wow, those are all pro teams, aren't they? Yeah. They all pay their players too? Indeed. Shit, those might be hard teams to beat, given the fact that you had a hard time beating the San Francisco 49ers, who are now 1-5. and But the, the one thing about the Packers is that, remember when Rodgers said relax, they were, what, 1-2 and two or something, and then they were 4-6 and six at one point and still made the playoffs. The league sucks, and they have Rodgers. But you know, they've, been, they've been riding the, on that for too long. But still, the league sucks. And look at the division they're in. Like, you know, 3-2 and two leads the division, right? I mean... Do you feel like they're Super Bowl material this year? At this point, no. But Aaron Rodgers makes some but, Super Bowl material. But they, <laughs> see... And some that's, would say that's some would say your thinking is part of the problem. That this has been how they have. Thought I live for in the too real long. world. <laughs> I know, but still, some would say, "Why can't we have a complete team around Rodgers?" And then when see, we play a really tough opponent where we need ninja stuff, the league is socialist. We all live in Finland in this league. It's all Finland and Sweden, and everybody's got holes. Nobody's that good. And you, uh, and you want to point to <clears throat> Patriots? Point, point to well, they're. Okay, they're, they're they run the joint, but <laughs> okay. look at Kansas City and the Rams. They'll have their stretch where they lose two out of three because it's what happens in the fucking league. Okay, it's designed to do that. Okay, the, the, everybody's going to hit their bumps, and everybody's an injury away from being as horseshit as the next team. Okay, I'll leave it at that. Team's got a long way to go. To oh, the Packers have Super a long. Bowl and what? All right, what's scary about the Packers is you're coming, you're going into a buy that's incentive. It's Monday Night Football. The world is watching. Uh, people, the non-brewers world right. is watching. Right. And you're coming off a loss where you played like shit in in Detroit, another team you probably should have handled. And you're going into the bye. Yeah. And it used to be that they'd dangle that carrot like, hey, you know, victory Monday, we'll, we'll let you out and give you another day of vacation to spend at the resort and you know, wherever they're going to go. Right. Now with the collective bargaining, I think it's all mandated with the breaks you get, so they can't even do that. And they came out and they just took a shit. And Mike Patton's supposed to be this defensive guru i'm not seeing it yet maybe it's because he doesn't have the personnel and they don't have any out, outside yeah. linebackers that can get to the quarterback or anything but i mean there's just no there's no there there there's no energy there's no spunk to this team you're right there's nothing special about this team but aaron Rodgers. and last week against detroit he played not special he was he looked like ryan Tannehill, and they fucking got smoked and that's what's gonna happen here before we get to ftg i'm just gonna i'm gonna close my eyes i'm gonna put my index card to my forehead like karnak the old Johnny Carson bit. I can see how the final four weeks of the season are going to go for the Packers. It's going to be a desperate push by Rodgers to do ninja stuff to crawl you guys into a playoff berth. That's what it's going to be. I can uh, see it already, Drew. It's going to be, well, you know, they need a they need a win or two here, maybe get a break, get in 10-6, and six, possible wild card, maybe win the division, but uh, we need Rodgers to be great. And if he is, you're in. If he's not, you're out. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much summed up the last 10 years of Packerdom. <laughs> With that, we tee it up. 
I'm not a good guy. I'm the guy. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. All right, Drew, who is your nominee right. for this week? My fuck that guy is one of my favorite people on the planet. Uh, I'm talking to him right now. Steve Zabin. What? Has created what? a monster. You've created a monster. I All can't right. be FTG. In, no, you're not, but by, oh, it's oh, by extension. Oh, oh, you're, okay. you're implicated in this, oh, in my oh. tree of fuck that guy. Oh, God. Because in our, you know, in our quest to have conversation on the programs and stuff, we'll often ask hypotheticals. We'll ask... Uh, you know, sometimes I, I do a lot of fantasy road trips. Like, all this, expenses paid. Would you go to the Super Bowl or the Kentucky Derby? This or? is UNKB on the yeah. Big 920. That's right. That's right. And it's gotten to the point where we can't even ask, like, a game like that. We, we will throw out there on Twitter to get the, the, the juices going. All right. You can only watch one game. Or you can only you can attend one game but not watch the other ever and never see a hint of the other game. Which would you pick? Brewers in the NLCS or Packers on Monday Night Football? And we have to throw that out because you've created this fucking monster where everybody's got to have three screens at their house and say, what do you mean I can only watch one game? I've got three screens. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Read the question, people. <laughs> Don't give me this. What do you mean? Like, what, who the fuck so, doesn't have three TVs? So in you other words, created this monster of people with the main screen and then the two side screens. And that's now become like the norm <laughs> and the ideal that they won't even entertain the hypothetical of only being able to watch one game. So for that, I... Am yes. your fuck that guy. Exactly. The whole idea of people ignoring my question and saying, what do you mean? I got three screens. Fuck that guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you ruined a topic for us. Well, maybe it's a bad topic. Maybe it's a topic as I, bad as if you could only have a dog or a wife, what would you have? I don't argue. A dog wife. <laughs> <I> don't <know>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your dog or your wife? Of course, don't answer that. I think a lot of guys that are married would say that's the easiest <laughs> call ever. Well, think, think of all the things the dog does not do yes, that then, the wife would let do. Let me ask you this. When you go on a business trip for a week or two weeks, who do you miss more, the dog or your wife? Do- dogs don't have any pockets for credit cards either. So <laughs> That's true. There you go. All right, my fuck that guy this week is uh, somebody. Uh, I have a friend, Scott Shiree, who lives in Houston, huge uh, Astros fan. He said he was on a flight recently and fired up his Wi-Fi on his phone to watch his beloved Astros, and the guy next to him said, the screen's too bright. Do you mind if you turn it off? Are you kidding me? Hey, fuck that guy. Put your shades on. Get a a mask. Hey, Cinderella, close your eyes, okay? You'll be okay. Or just turn away. Uh, Because my man, Scott, is such a Southern gentleman... He said he bought the guy a drink and kept the phone on and everything was cool. He said, okay, what? it's bright, but I'll go ahead and I'll buy what? you a drink. Why are you looking at my phone? Close your eyes. Look the other way. Turn uh. your head, motherfucker. <sighs> All right, Drew. Fun times. Yes, Follow sir. Drew on Twitter at... Drew Olson, MKE. Listen to Drew's show on the big 920 in Milwaukee as well as iHeartRadio. See you next week, bud. We'll do it. We'll end with this today. You've been seeing the robotics videos coming out from Boston Dynamics. I haven't talked about it a whole lot here on the Zabecast. They are staggering to watch. A humanoid robot, self-powered, no cords, no cables, is doing basic parkour. I say basic parkour because people aren't going crazy. A robot can do parkour. Have you seen real parkour? It's crazy. 
Anyway, the robot can now jump up some very high boxes, one robotic leg at a time, while swinging its robotic arms out to the sides to help balance and counterbalance itself as it hops nimbly up the boxes. This is fucking amazing. And remember, it's the worst robot we are ever going to have again. All future robots are going to be better. Apparently, Boston Dynamics also released a video this week of a dog doing a sort of a dance that was set to the parody song from The Office called The Scarn, based on Michael Scott's secret agent character, Michael Scarn. It's hilarious. It's also chilling because, holy shit, that's a robotic dog, self-powered, no cables, dancing like it's Michael Jackson. Oh my God. The technology that is coming at us in the next 20 years, and much less 50 years, if for those of us that might make it that far, I'm going to bet the under on that for me, I'll be 100, but at least in the next 20 by the time I retire, is going to be staggering. It's going to get quicker and quicker. They're going to build and build on things. It's going to be insane. Now, is this technology I'm going to see in my lifetime from Amazon? I don't know. But this is what they are actually patenting for. Amazon and Walmart have already patented, patented the following. Blimp-like warehouses that will float 1,000 feet in the air, armed with drones ready to deliver toothpaste, toilet paper, or other essentials right to your doorstep as if they were flies. Get the fuck out of here. You gotta, no. In my lifetime, am I gonna see that? Just driving down the road or not even driving, riding in my driverless electronic electric vehicle, looking up at the sky going, huh, it's another Amazon cloud, uh, with supplies. It's another Amazon toilet cloud. Ah, good. There goes some toilet paper. I mean, I guess so, right? Why not? If they're building autonomous warehouses right now, but at some point, shouldn't we just get off our asses and go somewhere to go get the stuff we need, including toothpaste and toilet paper? You know, if you stock up on that stuff, it's not perishable. It will last a long, long time. All right, that'll be it for today. Thank you for listening. Download, subscribe, comment, and like. Tell a couple of friends, maybe three, maybe ten, who knows. Premium Zabe can be had at zabe.com slash premium. We have another Monster Week of football, Five Ways Friday coming. Mike Mayock has uh, agreed to join us as a guest. I really like Mike's work on the NFL Network, and especially when it comes to scouting. Mr. X also gives his picks this week and charts and the whole thing. And uh, I really appreciate you listening. So thank you very much. Now go on out there, practice your catching just in case you ever get thrown in in a pinch, and we will see you next time.